Oh, we just thank you, Lord God. We pray, God, that the Word of God would have a a deep-rooted effect in our lives tonight, God, that everyone who receives it, God, let them grow with it, Lord. Let them receive it into their life, God, to be a life-changing force, God. As your Word goes forth, God, it will not return into your void, God, but it will accomplish what you sent it to do, God, and it will prosper in that thing, Lord. And I give you the glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you praise, God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. We're going to be studying. Praise God. Uh, you can turn to James 1.8 if you want to, to begin with tonight. I was thinking about what we go through in life a lot of times, and most of us are, are having uh, things in our life. And uh, tonight I'm going to be teaching what to do with your questions. Anybody ever have questions? You're trying to serve God, and uh, you have the struggles that go on in life. Maybe you're listening via the Internet, and you have questions in your life. And, and the Scripture gives us things to do and ways to look at what God has for us and how to deal with our past and how to deal with the questions that come up in life. One of the number one selling techniques is to uh, take questions and box you into a place. Maybe not even where you want to be, but they start with questions like, okay, how much can you afford on this car? You know, and then how much, you know, and they, they finally get, okay, if, if we can do that, is there any other reason why you wouldn't do it? That is kind of the way the devil does things too. He brings questions into your life. He makes you question everything. The devil is known as the accuser of the brethren. And those of you who are watching us uh, uh, via live stream or, or listen to us later, the devil is there to accuse you. I've only found him to accuse other people to me, to accuse me to me, to accuse Jesus to me, to accuse the whole world to me. Some people are sitting there and they think nobody likes them because they've been listening to some things and some questions that come into their mind that has caused them to get into a place where what they're believing isn't actually the truth. And so you need to know how to deal with questions that come up in your life. You need to know how to approach things. And, and uh, part of it, it's like I was thinking about, well, when we started to raise our children, they're both grown we started to raise our children it was like we had certain things we wanted to put in them and you know they have those things in them today because we had already had gotten to the place in our life where we had settled some things in our life some things we wanted in our children some things we wanted to put in them and we knew what we were going to impart into them and part of life and answering questions is preparing yourself of course, the next step is you go and do something with it. But, you, you know, questions can sometimes just overwhelm you. One of the things that goes on in life, you get so many questions and no answers. Many years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, when I go to counsel with people, have that spirit of counsel and might, and just really get that answer to that question, you know, because otherwise it keeps running over and over. They keep getting the same answer and they keep failing the same way because you, you keep coming up with the same thing. 
you know, whatever you really have a question on your life, unless you've overcome it, you probably keep came, coming to the same conclusion because your information is faulty. Something that's come in and, and that question because of something that happened in your life. Sometimes it's something that appears going to happen in your life. See, when you settle some things and, you know, I could have rightly questioned in my life, Dale, you were a rascal, so your children should reap this, right? That's not true. It's true I was a rascal, but I settled some things, and they don't have to take after me in that area. They don't have to receive that because I settled some things in my life. I've done some things, and I didn't owe that anymore. The scripture says, don't owe the devil to serve him. And the devil uses your past sins. He uses your failures. He uses your questions to get you to serve him. Because you're never going to get freedom. You're never going to get deliverance from it until you really sit down and look at God's word and listen to the Holy Spirit. And he will begin to lead you and guide you into all truth. It's truth for your life. See, some people, when they're in church and the church is really going, can really live for Christ. It's when they walk outside. But I found out that I make that decision when I'm before the Lord and begin to walk in it and say, I'm going to walk like that. It's like when you make a determination to lose weight. And you really make a determination and a concrete decision. You go throw out the rice. You throw out the other things, the corn. You go throw out all the carbs and all the things that are contrary to what you're going to go do. And you take hold of those things which are going to get you to where you're going to go. And it's the same thing in the Word of God. Take hold of those things that's going to bring you up, right? One of the names of Christ is Redeemer. He doesn't halfway save. He doesn't forgive my sin and not your sin. Or just people who are pastors or people who are reverends or people who are... No, he is a redeemer and he saves, come to save man from their sin. And that's just one of the facts. But our mind goes to our past and our experiences and the things... See, something terrible may have happened to you and really took you in a bad place, and you may be living there. So I told one sister one time, she was telling me what was going on, I said, that may be the truth, and that may be true, but it's not the truth. And when you begin to realize that everything is subject to the truth, it's not subject to something that happens to be true. You know, when we make a change in our life and really receive Jesus Christ, we are not that old person that we used to be. See, there can still be tons of questions, but we need to settle down, take God at his word, and begin to listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling us. Begin to take his word in context. God knows what sinners are. 
Your sin is not going to shock God. Your past is not going to change Christ. God made this covenant between two things which will not be changed. It's called immutable things. It was not a covenant made with man. It was a covenant made with Jesus Christ. How sure is that covenant? Because it was made between God and Jesus Christ. And because it's made between those two things, immutable means they're not going to change. They're not going to fail. They're not going to be moved no matter what happens. This is the way it is. And so when I got into Christ and I began to realize that this is true in Christ, my past is irrelevant to Christ's past. His past was sufficient for my past. His offering upon the cross is sufficient for anything I have ever done or anything I might do. I have an intercessor before the Father who makes uh, an advocate who makes intercession for me, who has come before the Father and said, yes, I know it. He calls you by name and says, yes, this is what he's done, but this is not who he is. He has received me as his Savior. See, if we serve the things that we hate, we become a servant to the devil. But if we serve Christ, we serve those things that we love. Those things that bring godliness into our life, that brings life into us. That, uh, just those things, you know, I, I always knew my kids wouldn't be angels, but I always knew that they were going to go the right way because I had put in them the things. God knows even better than I do how to put things in us. And what I want to have you today is get rid of those questions by really getting answers. If you're here tonight or you're listening uh, via live stream, get rid of those answers. You know, some of you think, why would my testimony affect anybody's life? Some of you think my testimony ought to affect everybody's life. It depends on where you're at and how you see the redemption of Christ in you. You think about, will I ever be good enough? That was a big question for me. Truthfully, my wife and I have been married several years, but like all of us, I had a big deal about my past. How do you handle it? What do you do? How do I go at it? For three years, I studied to try to understand justification. How can I be just because I did this? The popular theme then was, it's just as if I had not sinned. Of course, I knew I could never go back and change that sin. And being in my right mind, I knew there's sins I hadn't done. So I didn't feel any condemnation for those. Anybody like that? Some people feel condemnation for things they hadn't done or things they hadn't even thought about. You know, they just into condemnation. But the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. Those are in Christ Jesus. So when we're put in Christ, I realize I'm just as if I had died with Christ. I was in him when I died, when he died. I was in him when he went to the grave. I was in him when he went uh, all the way to the hell. And the Bible says the difference is 
if we were in him then, and then if by faith we're in him when he was resurrected, we also receive that. So I begin to realize that all that my sin deserved had been taken and justly and rightly done in Christ. I realized before there was nothing I could do. I could never satisfy that. So I'm speaking to people, you need to deal with some questions sometimes in your life. Some of you are wondering, well, what's life worth? Remember several years ago I was talking as a 15-year-old boy trying to commit suicide. I think he was 15. and he, he, uh, They brought him to me and I began to talk to him and I realized all of his life things just kept getting worse. You know, when he was 10, he had one problem. When he was 11, he had another problem. And pretty soon you got more problems, and they never go away. That is what is called not having hope. So I did the simple thing, preach Christ to him. You know, that child never wanted to commit suicide anymore because he had hope. Christ is hope, and he gives us a clarity in our life. And by... Faith in what he has done is greater than what I have done. You know, Christ didn't look at your sin and say, wow, I can't handle that. He said, oh, that's a biggie. No, he didn't say that. And some of you have been raised in the house of God, got good godly parents. Your little bitty things, other ones, those little bitty things they do. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Our Christ is a redeemer. I thought about Timothy. I'm going to be reading from tonight. Timothy was a young man raised in the house of the Lord, raised in um, a mother and grandmother who knew how to pray. Raised. Now I thought about Paul. Paul says, I'm the chief of all sinners. He's a man who'd come after on up in age, and he he was probably, you know, 30-ish or so, and he became a believer. I don't know how old he was, but he was, you know, getting older, and he had been out doing all kinds of things and things, but then he got saved. He really got saved. He understood what happened to his sin, and he didn't have to walk in that. He could acknowledge where he was. You see, when God takes your sins, he said he cast them behind his back. Go ahead Look at me and look at behind your back. You see, that's what happens. He says he casts them into a sea of forgetfulness, never, never to be remembered against you anymore. You may remember that sin. I can acknowledge to you the sins I've done. But there's no condemnation because in Christ, that is already cast and, and never remembered against me. I may remember I did that sin, but it's not against me anymore. How many like liberty in Christ? How many like not feeling guilty? How many like walking in the liberty in Jesus Christ? Jesus come to set men free. He's known as the deliverer. A type of Moses had delivered the people. He has come to deliver his people from their sins. He didn't deliver me from your sins, but he delivered me from my sins. And so... Those are important things. So what do you do with questions? Are you always going to be a failure? I don't care if you've been told all your life you're a failure. When you listen to Jesus Christ, that's not what he says. See, people can have a great effect on your life, right? I remember talking to a girl 
who the Lord saved and brought out of some bad situations, but her grandfather was ruining her life because of stuff he did. But he'd already been dead three years. See, those things have already passed away. Those things are no longer in effect. They were in effect. They were condemnation in your life. They were taking you to hell. They were exactly what the devil's telling you they were. But whenever I learned about justification, the devil come to me and says, Dale, you did this. I said, yes, I did. But I died with Christ. Not only did I die with him, I was buried with him. I went to hell in him. And I've been, I believed, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and I've been raised with him to newness of life. I become a new creature in Christ. I'm not what I used to be. I am who he has made me now. Praise God. Somebody needs to get a hold of being liberty in Christ. Somebody needs to get your mind in the right place. The past is not a good place for a lot of things. For we have a future. We have a hope. We have a belief. We have a now we are delivered. It doesn't yet appear what we're going to be. But one day we're going to be that too. Amen. You're, you're going towards something great. So don't become discouraged. Don't let questions. Don't let the devil use questions on you all the time. Don't let you use questions on you. Sometimes you're one of the best helpers out there. Right? If nothing else is going on, you'll start thinking about that. You'll start, no, the Bible says think on these things. He gives us a whole list. Think on these things. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, he's not unstable in some of his ways, but all of his ways. They become unstable. They become something that is, is, well, it may be or, well, it may not be. I mean, I've been around people. Anybody been around people who are unstable in their ways? Yes. You know, I... It is good to see people who come in and start serving the Lord, and in a little while, you see them stable. When you do the 12 gates that were hung in uh, Nehemiah around the wall, the first one was hung by the high priest. It was the, um, I can't even think what the name of the gate was. Uh, the first gate was hung by the high priest symbolizing salvation. It was a sheep gate. And everybody comes in through the sheep gate because we're all sheep, we're all born again. kind of. But the second gate they hung was a fish gate. And the fish gate is kind of like we are when we're new believers. We're all wiggly. You ever see the little fish down there? I mean, they're always... And that's kind of the way it is. We start to grow in Christ and begin to know who we are. We begin to become stable in our thoughts, stable in our ways. We begin to put the Word of God in. The Word of God becomes a stability in our life. There's, you know, the Word of God and the Spirit of God will cause you to be stable. The Word of God is there and it has power to cleanse your mind. It has power to take out that old condemnation. It has power 
to take out that old past that was always against you. It also has power to put in you what Christ says about you. What Christ says you should have. See, none of us need to come up short. But we need to enter into the full glory of God. Who doesn't think it's a crime to be called a son of God? Like Jesus is the son of God. He said we are called sons of God. We've elevated up. That's what God has for us. And if you'll turn to 1 Timothy 1. Just don't be double-minded. Begin to get stability in your life. How do you handle questions? Just stability in your life. 1 Timothy, if you all turn there. And I think I'm starting about the third verse, I believe it is. Paul is speaking. No, I'm going to in the first verse. Paul says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Jesus Christ, who is our hope. See, Paul, who was such a bad person, realized who he really was. He had answered the question in his life, and all of us have to answer it in our life. None of us are exempt. You think it's strange? No, Paul. Uh, they said, don't think it's strange when you're given trials and tribulations. That's come up on all of us. We all have that in our life. No matter how bad we was or how good we were raised, we still have those questions in our life. Because the truth is, none of us are good enough to earn what Christ has given for us. We all stand guilty before the Lord. But... We can all stand redeemed and righteous before him also. See, knowing half the truth is not enough. You may know some things that are really true, but they're not the truth. The truth is when you can say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a new creature. That old creature's gone. The first seven chapters of Romans fascinate me. He goes through all the reasoning and everything about the the flesh and all that, but he gets to chapter 8 and he goes, there is therefore now no condemnation. It's no longer there. He reasons why it's not there through seven chapters. But in the one chapter, he tells us who we are. So you don't get that by just confessing it. You get that by looking into his word. If you want to settle your heart and your mind, you want to answer questions, start looking into his word. And say, God, what do you really say about that? I know what I say, and it's always been bad. It's always come up short. It always left me feeling, uh. It left me feeling like, You know, y'all know that exasperated feeling, right? It always left me like that, but I want to see what that liberty in Christ is. We are looking into the law of liberty. So he's talking here and he says that um, 
the commandment of God, and he goes uh, in verse 2, To Timothy, my true child in faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. He begins to tell Timothy the things that are his. He says, I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on Ephesus that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. See, that's part of the reasons why we have questions because the devil knows how to use strange doctrines in your life. You know, be careful what you hear because what you hear may sometimes plant a question in your life. Sometimes it, it, it makes you to wonder, oh, 2 Corinthians put it this way in chapter 11, verse 3, if you want to just jot that down. He says, but I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by cunning. That's, the devil hadn't changed his operations. He didn't change it on you either. So the first thing he began to do to Eve was what he says. Now, didn't God say, you know what I mean? Don't let your eyes be distracted by the questions that are coming like that. That was Eve's fault, right? First, the devil got her to question. Oh, but look at all this good stuff. Didn't God also make that good? Then he got her to look at it. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that to be desired? You see, in our lives, we've got to learn to look into the Word of God and listen to the Holy Spirit to come forth. And when we have real questions, go into the Word of God and settle those questions so that we're not distracted and tempted that way. Does that make sense to somebody? I know this is very practical in one way, but it's also very spiritual in another. See, Eve knew what God had said, not because she'd really heard it probably herself, but she'd heard Adam tell her what God had said. The Bible says Eve was deceived, but Adam took it, you know. He already knew what God said and knew it, but he followed what she was doing, and the both of them ended up, you know, the story. Not totally lost, but out of the, the real promise that God had for them in their life at that time. So it says, as by cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The serpent deceives Eve the same way he's working on you. Does everybody agree with that? You know... You may have a friend, and they may come and say, you know, this is the way it's going on. You're sitting there, and you've been one of these around here that starts giving their tithes and offerings. And I'm sure you're going to look at some of the new stuff. Some of your friends are borrowing money to get and wonder, da, 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 da. you know what I mean? It can be a temptation. But if your eyes are stayed up on the Lord and around this place, we, there's been so many see God bless their lives that they are giving tithes and offerings because they've already proven it. And so the devil can't use that particular trick in their life. But we have new believers coming in here, and they need to hear also that your testimony. You know, I started tithing. I started doing this. You know, it wasn't easy. But, man, the Lord started blessing me. 
The Lord started moving in my life and doing things. My finances are much better today. They've so improved because I've been practicing what God said to do. Right? And it's not just in tithes. This is something we know around this place because a lot of people tithe. And have proven that in their life. Now they're sold on it. They're convinced of it. Because they have proven the word of God in that area. Start proving the word in other areas. So what do you need? Well, you know what the God says about tithing, but you may not know what God says about this area of your life. See, the scripture says children are like an arrow. The parents are to point them in the direction they should go. And when you release them, they're going to go that way. Ooh, is that a promise? Do you know where they're going? Know, know what you're doing? Do you know that you put them in there and boom, you, you have directed them. That doesn't mean they're perfect all the way through. It just means you have directed them. They're going to go that way. You have put in them the word of God. You have put in things of God. And when something comes contrary, you say, no, this is what God says. This is the promise of God in my life. And you may have messed up up till now. Paul was that kind of person. He had totally missed it. it. He had been out killing Christians and all that. But yet he could walk without any condemnation because of the revelation of Christ. The revelation of his word. The revelation through the Holy Spirit. God is able to overcome anything that you may have in your heart. God is greater than your heart. God is greater than your mind. But I've learned to take in the Word of God. The Bereans is a great one in the book of Acts. They studied to prove whether those things were true or not. And I'm sure they were receiving it. Because they were looking and saying, okay, Paul says this. And he'd go in there and they'd look and they'd look. Oh, man, it does say that. So instead of arguing with Paul in their mind, have you ever argued with the preacher? They begin to agree. As you put the word of God into your mind, you will agree more quickly with what the spirit of God is speaking in your life. You will agree more quickly because if you just receive a word. I mean, as a young man, I walked under a lot of condemnation. But I remember when I really heard I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That was so foreign. I was like, that's true, but it can't be me. That's true, you know what I mean? All the squealing about it can't be me. It is, I'm not worthy. I'm not, you know. But then I began to look in God's word, and sure enough, it was in there. Sure enough, that was a promise to me. Sure enough, God wrote it for me. Sure enough, he illuminated and put it in there for me. And the Holy Spirit had put the, flat, the light on it so that I could see it and brought it into my life. Some things are so hard. Some people say we were raised in ultra Pentecost. Everything was hard. I mean, you had to earn every little thing. The church I grew up in, it was like probably... 25, 30 years, and they were Pentecostal holiness church and since anybody had received the Holy Ghost. Just the old-timers had it, and all the other ones didn't. 
and they used to go see my sister and brother-in-law, and they'd sit there and they'd ask us all kinds of questions because we were filled with the Holy Ghost. But it was so hard they couldn't get it. Listen, don't make the promises of God so hard you can't have them. That's a lie. Never make a promise of God so hard that you can't have it. Always have faith in what God says. The Bible says the promises of God are yea and amen. That's yes and let it be. Mary had a hard time believing she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. She just kept her mouth shut and pondered those things in her heart. But there was a day when she come up in faith and walked in those things. So instead of voicing what she was going on internally, she began to look at the promises of God. She began to listen to what the Holy Spirit was saying. She began to listen to what the uh, things of God was saying. When Elizabeth uh, was having a child and her child leaped and Elizabeth listened when, and this one prophesied over there. Whoo, she said, man, you know, it started building her up. She started getting ready to receive those things. Uh, Paul wanted... Timothy to stay at Ephesus. He says there's certain men that are going to teach strange doctrines. And man, I tell you what, there are so many doctrines out there today that will lead you astray. Just get into the Word. Get into it. Start reading, you know, the book of Acts. Read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the, the rest of the New Testament. We are living under the New Testament. It's the new covenant in Jesus Christ. When you get to the Old Testament, realize that was the law, and we're no longer under the law. We're under liberty. It doesn't give us an excuse to sin, but we have an excuse to live in Christ. He says they're going to, don't pay attention to their myths and endless genealogies. The endless questions, don't try to answer all the hard things or the things that can't be answered. I used to work those little puzzles, you know, you make a, a rectangle and you have some here and a line here and here here and you go through it. It's impossible to work, but you can spend a lot of time going over it because of mathematics, it, it can't be worked and there is no real answer. And a lot of times the devil likes to distract you in your life, running you to things that will come to no end, will always come up short, will never be complete will never satisfy the soul. That description fits only one person, and that's Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, but our goal of instruction is love from a pure heart. All the learning we do and all the instruction we receive, is to, it should bring love and a pure heart into your life. I have no desire to learn all about wicked things. I've seen people study child pornography and things like that, and it just leads them to, to misery because we're not made to equip to take those things on. We need to know Christ, and Christ will show us what's evil. Be simple to evil. 
He says, all this speculation. He says, rather, the furtherance of the administration of God, which is by faith. You're to have a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things turn aside. And I don't want us to turn aside, but I want us to go after that which leads to righteousness in our life. I want us to have answers to questions. I want us to have the problems in our life solved. Remember, the Word of God is inspired by God. That means it's empowered by the Spirit of God. That means it's going to prosper in doing whatever it says it will do. It means it's going to be powerful. It's going to be sharp. It's not going to be muddy. It's not going to be murky. It's going to be clear. So don't think you can't understand God's word and don't think you can't use God's word. For God has given us his word. He has given us his son. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to use in those things. And if we start using them, it says it will give us wisdom that leads to salvation through faith that is in Jesus Christ. And it's good for reproof, training, and righteousness so that the person of God or the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. You see... A lot of us think we are good for nothing, but that's not what God's Word says. God's Word says, I'm going to equip you to do good things. I'm going to equip you to be profitable in the kingdom of God. I'm going to equip you to be a child of God. I'm going to train you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to raise you up. God's purpose, He had a plan and purpose in His mind whenever you were saved. When you became a child of God. And don't be like Eve and fooled by his cunning ways. Let me challenge you. I'm going to end there. Let me challenge you to this. Start taking God's word. Take your questions. Get your concordance or go and your search, scripture search someplace, and find some scriptures on that and see if what your thoughts are really true or not. The Bereans went and looked it all up and said, we're going to see if Paul's preaching the right thing. Now, Paul, the great man of God, they didn't take him at that. They took God's word at the word. They took God's word and saw it and used it and handled it and put it into their life. And whenever they saw it was God's word, they did away with the old. My wife's retired. She's home cleaning out the old. Somebody listening to me needs to clean out some old things. Those old things aren't to be cherished. They aren't to be carried. 
they'll be redeemed from. When you can stand and say, God, I thank you, Lord, you delivered me. See, they're not remembered against you, but they become a form of praise in your life. They're not to be used against you, but they become, oh, God, thank you, Lord, for delivering me from that thing. God, thank you, God, for changing my life. Thank you, God. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not that old man. The Bible says in order to be born again, the old man has to die. That means everything doing with that past. There's some things in life you've been hurt and unjustly done. People are struggling with. All you got to do, you got to cast that away from you. You got to forgive some people in your life and get rid of it. It's too heavy for you to carry. And when you get rid of that burden, take the burden of the Lord. It's light and it's easy. It's light and it's easy. Praise God, I'm going to pray with you if you understand. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father God, there's some things in our life right tonight, God, that people need to cast off. Father, you said to put off the former things. So, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, take those things out of our life, Lord. And empower us, God, to cast those things away from us, God, never to be remembered against us anymore. There is therefore now no condemning sentence in our life. There is therefore now no condemning sentence with whatever it was. You can put it there. If it was abuse, misuse, or if it's just what you did in your own wicked heart. Whatever it is, put it behind you. Say, God, I'm casting this off, God. I'm going to take that which is new. And Lord, I understand that that will never be used against me anymore. That thing will never rule my life. Isaiah 26, 12 through 14 says, Lord, you ordained peace for me. God, you got peace for people's lives. It's listening in, God. Everyone that receives us by faith, God, by faith, God, receive peace. For Lord, you have worked your works in me. Lord, you're the only, Jesus, you're the only one I'm going to call Lord. Those other lords, they'll not live. They're dead. They'll not prosper anymore in my life, but they're put away. They're condemned to where they need to go, Lord. All those things, Lord, are cast off, God, that I might take that which is new into my life, Lord. That I might walk from this moment of being before you, God, as a new creature. God, totally made new and whole in you, God. No longer part but hold, God. Created anew and fresh in you, Lord Jesus. I receive that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.